You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael from Arizona. With me always are my good friends. Jay from the Hills, Texas. And AK Mike in Texas. And we would like to welcome you once again to the Park Fire Podcast. We uh, love to have you here. Uh, before we get started, how about a word from our sponsors? Three D Aerovitures, adding fun to the RC hobby, one layer at a time. Feeling weak and powerless? Sounds to me like you need A-Power batteries. When someone needs the best, they always choose the A-Team. A-Power batteries. Get on the web and get yours today. And welcome back to the Park Fire Podcast. It is good to see you two. Uh, happy Father's Day, by the way. We are. Oh, uh, that's right. Father's Day. Right. Uh, Woo! Yeah, um, this week, and so um, I know both of you are fathers, and for all of our listeners out there that are fathers, happy Father's Day to you. May is a special, uh, special month. So uh, I think uh, AK and my AK Mike and I have both had birthdays this month, and then Father's uh, Day. And yeah, wait. I think that's confused a little bit. Oh, that's right, because we were in May and this is June, isn't it? Yeah. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm confused. Okay, well, June is a good month because we have Father's Day. Last month, <laughs> hey, we had. Uh, anyway, you know how that goes. So, but we're uh, welcome to have you. And uh, this week, I think we're uh, getting an update on Jay. He, uh, man, out of all of us, Jay did most flying this week. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think it was me. So and I had yeah. a little help. Yeah, you definitely did. So, um, so yeah. What uh, brings up the speed, man? You were out running around and and doing some flying and mowing some grass and. You just had a busy- yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, my good buddy, Jim, um, he, uh, unfortunately had a little bit of, uh, of an operation or two and, and everything turned out all right. And he was feeling a lot better and chipper. And so he gave me a call and said, dude, you know, next week we got to go, you know, get out and go flying. And I said, That's sure cool. thing. If you're feeling up to it. And, uh, I showed up and he showed up and he had a small gaggle of planes and that particular day, actually, I didn't bring anything out myself. So I just kind of came out and flew his wow. stuff. So that was kind of fun. Um, and he brought out, well, he brought out some old planes, but, uh, he had some new engines and, uh, he brought out our, uh, he brought out his one EDF that had a slight mishap. But if you looked at it, it didn't look like it had any mishaps. It looked brand new. Uh, so once again, a testament to his repair skills. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we got out there and, um, we, well, it's kind of different this time. So actually I had done a favor for Jim and we talked about it briefly in the last podcast before we ended that I cleaned an engine for Jim right. that he, that he was having, that we were having problems with that day. And, um, Jim went ahead and, uh, gave me the engine and I kind of clumsily, uh, took it apart as much as I could and threw it in my ultrasonic cleaner and cleaned it. And 
um, I, I brought it back to Jim that day. Um, but before that, I had taken some pictures to show him what, you know, what I had done and what had happened. And Jim was greatly impressed by looking at the motor, which was this gummy mess when he gave it to me. And then, you know, it was all oh, shiny and sparkly. <laughs> and uh, he asked me, you know, hey, what ultrasonic cleaner did you get? And then I guess, you know, why he was recouping from his surgery, you know, he was doing a lot of research on ultrasonic cleaners and he kind of hit me up for some more information on mine and what, why I made some decisions and, you know, how big of one that he needed. Um, and he ended up getting one. So he got it, he got it, um, I'm not going to say he got it last minute, but he got it right before we met up that, you know, to go flying that day. Right. So he had already cleaned up one or two of, you know, his own engines, you know, himself, he took, he was able to take his down a little bit, you know, break them down a little bit more and clean them up. And I'll probably show, you know, for our YouTube visitors, uh, or listeners, um, a couple of pictures here, um, of like just the muffler, his muffler was just awful. And so, um, as he was cleaning this thing, we, he had talked to me about, you know, how, how he should do it, whether he should fill the vat up, you know, not fill the vat up, uh, use baggies, use bottles, use, you know, whatever. And so he ended up trying to clean it, um, kind of old school. So he used, uh, gasoline and through, you know, through the, uh, through the muffler in there. Put a match in it. And then <laughs> no matches. <laughs> That's what I do anyway. I don't like you guys. That's why yeah. Mike doesn't have eyebrows because he uses. That's them. right. Exactly. Real thin. Real thin. Um. So, so he he went ahead and threw it in there and you know did a couple of you know twenty minute sessions and nothing. The gas, really? nothing. Yeah. So he put it in a plastic. Yeah, but, you know, gas is not really a good cleaner. I mean, I, I don't know. Some people use gas for, to clean stuff. I don't really find that it cleans very well. Yeah. Well, well he, neither did he. What, well, <laughs> like I said, he did some, like I said, he, he was reading the internet and read a couple of articles where guys used gas or, you know, whatever. And he decided yeah. to use them. And, and basically after like, you know, two half an hour sessions, the thing did nothing to the muffler and he was greatly disappointed. So he said, well, you know, all right, what the heck? I'm just, you know, he thought his, his model or his uh, unit was faulty. So he was all kind of panicked and just, oh, I can't believe I got that, you know, Monday or Friday unit. You know, I got right. a, you know, I got a jinxed right. unit. So he was all. The good news is he's got a new house now because when he struck the match to look inside, <laughs> to look inside, yeah, he's got um, the money to buy whatever he wants at this that's point. Right, exactly. At this point, that's right. Imagine that happened. All right, so um, Jim, safety tip for Jim: don't do this in your kitchen with gasoline. Do it outside in your back porch. Well, he's got a little his. He has a little detached garage, so he's nah, he was semi. I'm telling you, man, my dad was an arson investigator and. Some guy, he did a, uh, an arson investigation one time on a guy that cleaned his whole floor. He was painting, got paint all over the floor, cleaned the whole floor with gasoline. In the middle of the night, Ooh. he got up to get a glass of water, flipped the light switch, and so spark, boom, nobody was left. Poof. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's... Don't that's, do that. Don't that's, do that's, that. <laughs> well, that's a little more extreme from what Jim was doing to that guy, but okay. Well, I'm giving um, Jim the benefit of the doubt and thinking he's smarter than cleaning his whole floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, he had it in a little uh, plastic container and, um, you know, and it's floating in water, so, you know. Yeah, okay, well, that so makes it's, sense. It's, it's semi-safe because it can put itself out, even though gas All right, Jim, good for you. So, so anyway, the, the key was he was really disappointed. He wasn't sure. He kind of wrote me a little something about it, and and uh, and I was, and I didn't get a chance to reply back to him, so I was really fearful, 
that his unit was broken and that he was really disappointed. But when he turned up, he had that muffler sitting on the table. And I was like, whoa, this thing is sparkling clean. What, what, what happened? Did the, did the, did you have to do something different with the gas or you didn't have it heated to the right temperature or, or what? And he goes, no, I, I gave up on the gas and I just went ahead and I did what you said. And I was like, oh, okay, what's that? And he, he goes, yeah, I use that simple, awesome stuff from, from the dollar store, you know, that oh, yellow. Yeah. No, no, not simple green, just the uh, simple, awesome or the, awesome, uh-huh. or yeah, the awesome cleaner. It's yeah, yellow. Yeah, yeah. looks kind of like lemonade yeah. comes in a, a gallon jug. Sure. So basically I he, use it when I do a cleanse. So that's what yeah, I use. Yeah. A deep, <laughs> deep, 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 he does a deep colon cleansing with it. I think it's called <laughs> simply awesome, right? So simply awesome. That's simply it. So awesome. he, he borrowed it from his wife. Um, sure. and I guess she, she was a little upset that he borrowed all it, do. you know, from his wife. To, to, Where did to do all this my stuff. tips go? Because at that I moment, I guess her. she had to do some major cleaning and she didn't have her simple, simple, simply, uh, simple, simply simple, awesome. That's awesome. Cleaner. Cleaner. So anyway, she, uh, or he, he went ahead and he, uh, grabbed some Ziploc bags, threw some simple awesome in there, maybe a little water, threw that muffler in there. And he said, he was amazed because he said, I was sitting there and I walked by, it was five minutes later and I could see the, you know, the bubbles and stuff. And it was all Brown. It just turned, the water just turned completely Brown. And he said in five minutes. And so he stopped it, looked at the, looked at the thing. He's like, Holy crap, that's amazing. And he said that within one cleaning, you know, it was, you know, 80% better just right. with a simple 15 minute, 20 minute cleansing. Yeah. And so he ended up, uh, you know, fin- you know, he cleansed it again. I think he did two sessions, 20 minutes each and that it came out just, you know, super clean. And he was really, really impressed. So, so I just want to tell the listeners and, and people watching on YouTube right now that um, the reason why you're hearing silence every time Jay's saying the product's simply awesome is that they didn't pay their marketing fee. So we <laughs> blanked them out for this piece of it. So I just want to make sure everybody understands why that's happening. So yeah, that, you know, beep. every time he yeah. says, and the product, uh, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to beep it. I just silence it, you know, just make it. <laughs> Just flash so, on the uh, so going back to uh, the Sonic Cleaner, uh, you and I have very similar, if not the same, uh, Sonic Cleaner, and I think we got them. I can't remember where I got mine, but it's uh, it's uh, like a eight quart, I think, or five quart, something like that. And uh, it's it's electronic. It's got a heating element, and it's got uh, like a 30, 30 minute um, cycle on it, I think, and you can adjust it. Yeah. And that's the one that you're saying he got the same one or he got, he, he got the same one as me. Okay. So, because my, 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 I, our units are li- a little bit bigger than yours. I think we both have the because 10 Jay or, only 10 or, buys the best. Yeah. 10 or 12 quart uh, units is what we got from maybe, China. Maybe mine is 12 quart as well. Mine's pretty big. I mean, I can put, I can put some pretty large stuff in it, but uh, I, I think mine was about $70 on either Amazon or, yeah, ours ours ran around 125 bucks. Oh, was so it? That's what okay. we yeah, so we, we got the slightly larger unit than than yours. You, you know, guys, I want to. Well, I'm wondering is like, how do you keep that high pitched sound? I can't. I can't uh, do that. <laughs> like, I just can't get it high enough to do it. How do you do know, that? that? Sounded pretty good, actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> really straw, good. You get a straw, hook it into the water, and you sit there. Uh, and sit. Okay, bit. all right. I'll I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. Yeah. yeah. So well, here's it's interesting to me uh, the way you do it, and I I know we briefly talked on this last time because I actually fill the whole container full of solution, uh, and normally if I'm cleaning something large, right, I don't 
I don't think I've ever tried it in a baggie where you fill it up full of water, you put the cleaning solution in a Ziploc bag, put your part in the Ziploc bag, and then you drop the Ziploc bag in the, the water solution. I, I think that's an <laughs> awesome way to do it because Jay and I did I think that. that's too. And what Jay brought up last time in the last podcast that we just briefly talked about is that he can do like four different parts with four different types of cleaning. Right, Because right. for me, I only clean, and sometimes I use Mr. Clean or Simple Green or, you know, whatever the case may be. I'll clean everything that needs to be under that. Then I have to, you know, dump it all out, clean it out, and put the new solution in. With Jay's idea, you know, the way he did it, you can do four or five parts all at once with different cleaning solutions mm-hmm. in the same, same session, yeah, which I think yeah. is amazing. I, I wish I would have thought of that. And, uh, you know, kudos to Jay for coming up with that. Well, I, I, you know, that was an internet thing. That wasn't me. I mean, so. we wrote that down as a goal for the decade, and I think he's done. No. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it, it seems to work, and it's, it's a great idea. Plus, you don't use as much cleaning solution, right? right. So if More you constantly. want to clean something or some screws or whatever, you just need to, enough just to cover the screws, and then the ultrasonics will go through the, you know, through the solution, through the bag, and it doesn't have, you don't have to fill up that bag, you know, the quart bag full of anything. It, you just barely fill it with liquid and it works just as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the part I like. You save on solution. To clean some uh, spark plugs for me too. Works yeah. great. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'm, I'm quite amazed at how well this works. Um, Jim was amazed. Uh, so he's, he's really happy because he basically, you know, he's been doing this for a number of years. So he, he has a few, you know, engines all around his house that of course he's not using. He's like, well, you know, maybe I'll start thinning the herd. And he's like, well, you know, and I mentioned to him and I go, well, like down around him, down where he lives, uh, there's a club nearby. So they have an annual, you know, um, uh, sale, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, or swap meet or something. And I go, well, if you clean all your engines and then you take whatever, you know, engines and motors there, after you've put them in the ultrasonics, you, you know, the price of those things just go way up where you have somebody else's engine. That's all gummy. Right. looks like it's been run right. through the, the ringer. And then you have yours. And cause he goes, yeah. And I still have the original boxes for him. And I go, dude, well, you're going to get uh, yeah. what you paid for. You know, people are going to look at that and go, wow, that, that looks brand new. Hey, I, I need a motor like that. Thank you. So sure. I, I think in short order, this, his ultrasonic cleaner is going to pay for itself. Wow, that's really good. That's amazing. I, uh, I've actually worked with mine a lot. And uh, now that you mentioned that, I may pull the muffler off of my 120, my DA120, and stick it through there and see what it comes out to be. Because it's kind of oily and gooey, too. But we'll see. Yeah, it shouldn't take you more than 10, 10 minutes for yours since it's not too too bad. And like I said, the you know, Simple Green or, or that awesome just yeah. – it's. Cause that was the thing that Jim got that got to him. Cause he was like, yeah, it, you know, it was a non gasoline or distilled product. Just clean that stuff, you know, water-based soluble product, just cleaned that stuff off so quickly and just broke it apart. And like I was telling, like I was telling him too, the other thing that's kind of cool, you know, we have hard water here, right? So right. Um, you have to decalcify things quite a bit or use CLR to kind of break them up. And I, and I told him I had to do a, a my shower head, and when I usually do it, it's an all-day affair. You know, I have to fill up this container full of the CLR, let it sit in there all day. And depending, you know, CLR is very aggressive. So depending on your shower head, it mm-hmm. can attack the chrome and it can just any other metal parts, you know, like brass or something. It'll, you know, turn them dull. 
um, you know, fade plastic, all that kind of stuff. And I noticed I tried it this time with, once again, using the baggy trick, poured some stuff in there, CLR in there, threw it in the, uh, the ultrasonic cleaner. And I mean, within five, 10 minutes, the, the unit was clean. And so it was, what was really amazing was it was like it vibrated it so that the CLR was able to get, you know, get around the calcium, you know, just totally get whatever the calcium was coating. Like it got under the coating and it, and the cal- the calcium just fell off in flakes. So it was flaking off of the surface, whatever the surface was. Right. So that was the part that was really cool. It, so when I looked at the bottom of the bag, it just had all these chunks. So it wasn't like when I do it for several hours and it just dissolves the calcium totally. And you just have this white powder. This time I just had all these chunks in the bag, but the, oh, but wow. the unit was totally cleaned stem to stern. And it just cleaned it so well internally for everything that, you know, that you never, I never could get that clean before. So I'm really impressed with that stuff. Well, I, I'm amazed as well. And like I said, I've used mine quite a bit. And if you don't have one, you can go to Amazon or Bang Good Hobbies or just surf the internet. And there's a several. Yeah, uh, eBay's a good place. eBay's a good place to get one. I, I may have gotten it off eBay, Amazon or eBay, one of those. Uh, yeah. But, and, yeah. And and really, like, because Jim was asking me, you know, how big of a unit should I get? And basically what I was telling him was, you know, the biggest, at least in my mind, the biggest unit that you can afford because one, you always want a bigger unit because you have something else bigger that you find that you want to throw in the dang thing, right? right? Later on, well, not just RC stuff, but later on, you'll, you're, you know, you're going to be working on some engine or your wife's going to you know, yeah, whatever, cat, like the cat to sit in there, you know, and the cat's 20 pounds, 30 pounds, uh, trying to fit it in there. So, uh, that's, that's one of the things that I, you know, I liked about them. Also stepping up between the difference between your unit and my unit, Mike, like I said, it's like two quarts difference, but I have, I have a spigot on mine so I can attach a hose. You can. You know, fill it up with the water, and then if, when I want to dump the water, I just hit the spigot, and it just you know comes out out of the hose, you know, into a bucket, or you know, like I have mine on the deck, so I just have it pour out in the deck, and it just right. drains out in the ground. Right. So, you know, it's easy to clean because I one of the things I didn't like with yours was we had to pick it up, take it over the sink, dump it out, you know, and not to say that it was a super hassle, but I was like kind of looking at down the road if I'm seventy years old and I'm trying to dump my thing out, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably be dumping it all over the place. And my wife's going to be yelling because I have it all on the floor as opposed to the sink. So as opposed to, I just turn a little spigot, water comes streaming out. So yeah, that was one of the features I really liked about mine. Yeah. I noticed uh, when I got mine and uh, I think, I can't remember why I ordered that size. It was one of those things that I just said, Oh, you know what? I only need this big of a size. I kid you not. Third thing that I did with it. Uh, RC wise was great. Once I moved to something else in the house, I kind of wished I would have got the bigger one because yeah. what I wanted to do filled it up. And then I just needed a couple more inches of it. You know, like I needed just a quart, more, not even a quart, but about a pint more liquid to cover everything that I had in there. And it just wouldn't do it. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. You know, so I had to kind of break it apart and put half or of it. Ro- in. Or you got to ro- you got to keep rotating it. Or yeah. Rotating it or whatever. So, yeah, it was kind of a pain. But <clears throat> but now I just. I just, you know, kind of stick with the smaller stuff, but I, I probably eventually will wind up with a bigger one just because they're so convenient. And when the new shop comes around, I'm sure that between motorcycle, car, motorhome, you know, whatever, it's RC stuff. And well, the, the, the good news world, is that you're, you're anyway, just, right? what's that? Yeah. 
I was going to say, the good news is uh, your son just moved. He just moved to Phoenix, right? That is correct. He just got a house. Yeah, he did. So, you know, once you get your house totally, re, you know, rebuilt and everything, uh, you can pack yours up and go, here, son, I, I, I know you could use this, you know, now that you have a garage and you need to clean things, and then you can go and buy yourself a bigger unit. So, ah, you know, that is a good idea. Good. I you know, I'm surprised you didn't, for, for Father's Day, just buy yourself one right now. I mean, holy crap. Uh, who says I didn't? I just, uh, <laughs> where's, he gonna, where's he going to put it? <laughs> yeah, I can't put it anywhere right now. What, so the, isn't it, what the rest of the boxes in the storage? <laughs> <laughs> Put the rest of my stuff. Just chuck it uh, on there. Yeah, that's funny. So, well, very cool. Be- um, so you guys. Uh, now we talked about last time he had uh, the. You guys crashed, or he, he didn't. I guess you could say it was crashed. You crashed his EDF last time. We talked about that two weeks ago. Yeah, and, uh, and then you had some other airplanes that you uh, did, but he brought out totally different. The good thing about flying with Jim, and I love flying with Jim, that. He, every time he comes, he brings something different, and that's all. That's awesome. I mean, Jay and I have our favorites, and we want to go out there and fly our favorites. You know, I love the L39. We take it, and we take a couple of the other gliders. But Jim, really, when he comes out, is like, hey, I got these. And it's really fun, and I enjoy doing it because, you know, it gets us back into sometimes the setups are a little bit different, and you're having to find it. That's half the fun, you know, is going, oh, okay, well, how did we do this one last time? And some of them have been set up, you know, by us before, and some have been set up by Jim, and so it's kind of just fun. I, I love, and Jim's a great builder, so I, I just oh, love yeah. that he's his stuff flies pretty much right as it takes off, even if it's been sitting for a while. The the experience that I've had is when you know he goes here, take this up, and I'll fly it. A little bit of trim, it's good to go. So, it's, yep. Uh, well, pretty much with everything was the same. Like I said, the biggest biggest issue that we had was just figuring out the radio. You know what I mean? Like everything works, everything was, you know, in line and everything, but it was like, okay, what switch is the high rate? Uh, what switch, you know, did did, on this particular model, did you have a separate high rate for the, you know, for the rudder, for the ailerons, you know? So it's just one of those things of just trying to flick all the switches, holding them all over. Did that move? Did it not move? You know, he's like, "Hey, look at this thing. Did did it, did it move more when I flipped the switch? How about this one?" And then I'm like, "Uh, maybe. Uh, I I don't. You know, I'm squinting. I don't. Uh, maybe I." I don't, maybe, yeah. maybe I, I don't know. Mr. Magoo there. You're asking Mr. Magoo to see. Did yeah, it exactly change? right. I didn't bring my glasses. I'm them looking. So anyway, um. Uh, one of the planes. For those of you who are not old enough to know who Mr. McGoo is, just do a quick uh, Google you know search. You'll find it. About, there's a whole segment of people who may not know who who that character is. That's, yeah. that's terrible. Wow, uh, we're getting old. I know. I know. Dating ourselves. Um, anyway, so Jim brought out uh, a profile plane. Um, he brought out the uh, and the, the profile plane was the one that he brought up before that we couldn't get the the engine started that I cleaned. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought out a stunt plane. He brought out uh, an uh, not a mini ultra stick. That's what I have. But he brought out the uh, ultra stick, the large kind. I think it's a oh, sixty, 60 yeah. size. Um, and I think I'm forgetting. Oh, he brought out the dolphin that we that we that I flew uh, a couple of weeks ago. That flew pretty well. That forty six size dolphin. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we uh, we got out there, and the plane that he flew first, I do believe, was the ultra stick. So we got the ultra stick started. Started right up took off. He's flying. He seemed to be flying fine. And he's like, Hey, Jay, come on over and you know try it out. So I went over there and I'm flying. It was flying great. So, um, after a while I went ahead and I, you know, the thing that freaks me out whenever I'm flying glow as opposed to electric, you know, Hey, we flew our five minutes 
And then I'm like looking, you know, okay, let's, you know, start doing a few practice landings, you know, get, getting set up on the field to, to land this thing. And, uh, and he's like, and I go, Oh, how long has it been? He's like, Oh, I don't know. You got like another 20 minutes. And I'm just like 20 minutes. <laughs> wow. I think my arms are getting tired. Okay. All right. So anyway, I started going around the field and just, you know, getting set up and doing some practices for landings or touch and goes and stuff. And on that particular plane, when I got it, you know, when I kind of got into the profile, when I got everything lined up for the field and I was coming in, you know, I, I broke the threshold of the field and mm-hmm. normally you'd, you'd kind of throttle back and just let it settle in. Right. The plane seemed like it dip just ever, like it would just dip, you know, the nose would dip. And when I tried to correct for that, I, I would over control. Right. And so that would just throw the plane off and then I would have to go around again. And that kept happening to me over and over again. And Jim's just like, yeah, your landing's fine. Just, you know, just hold that and you'll, you'll be fine. And for some reason I could, I just didn't trust the plane. Hmm. You, you get what I'm saying? I, it just, yeah, it yeah. just went in and I, and I have pressure. I'd cut it. I'm like, okay, I'll hold it. Waiting for it to settle. And then the nose would kind of, the nose would dip over. Once it got to a certain speed, it would kind of just nose over. And then I would kind of pull back. I tried doing it a little less abruptly and I'm trying to be subtle and I just couldn't get the feel for it. And I just ended up kind of plopping the plane down, you know, or I'd stop the plane because I'd hit hard enough that, you know, I'd actually catch the uh, propeller on the ground. So, you know, the prop would stop and, you know, I'd land the plane okay and everything, but it was not a, not good landing. So I just could not get the feel to land the plane. And I can only attest it to the plane, the plane made me nervous or I didn't trust it that I I kept thinking it was going to nose itself into the ground. Did it have a gyro? No, it did not have a gyro or it it didn't have it on. Let's put it that way. It did have one in there, but we didn't have it on. So the, uh, so here's another question. What was the, cause I know we've had this, uh, conversation before with Jim, but what was the, um, the, uh, uh, just had a brain hemorrhage cause I'm getting old. The, uh, expo. I, I think it was, I think it was like in the thirties or forties. Cause okay. it was one of the planes we've, adju- we've, we've already adjusted, pre-adjusted before. For the, for, yes. So they were 40, so 40, it, may, 40 may be just a little too much. Yeah. But it, it, I don't know. It didn't, it, it didn't feel like it was the expo. Like it, it didn't give me that feel like it was like it was too much expo or something on there. It mm-hmm. just, it just was, I think it was, it was me. It, you know, Jim didn't seem to have a problem. It was, so I definitely know it was me. Yeah. And it, I think it just kind of came down to, you know, I just got this, I wasn't trusting the plane that it would be okay if I just let it keep coming in. And then, you know, I was afraid that it would hit that speed threshold and the nose was going to drop on me again. And I just wouldn't, I just couldn't trust it. You know what I mean? So on the power all the way to idle. Uh, once, I mean, once I was well over the field, yeah, I, I would cut the throttle. So well, maybe you I cut the throttle all the way to idle. Your nose is going to drop a little bit. Right. Right. And that, and that may be what it was, right. Cause that's, a, that's an electric thing. Right. So yeah. that, that very well could be, you know, my fault on that. And maybe I just, the plane needed to have just a little bit more idle and it probably would settle in and not drop the nose. You're probably right with that. But like yeah. I said, it was, it, it was, it, like I said, it was me. I know it was me. I, I was, I, I was the guy who was having the issue and I just didn't trust. I was just not trusting the plane. It's and not I really, 
<laughs> you know, you, <laughs> it, it is me. Yeah, absolutely. So it was just one of those things where, you know, um, not having faith in your equipment or not having faith in the plane or not trusting. Well, let's you know, face it, I haven't flown the glow in a, in a while anyway, right? That particular airplane. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't, how, how often do I get to fly glow at all? So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, yeah, so it was just, it was just different for me. So now here's the funny part. So we switched to uh, the stunt plane, right? And the, the stunt plane is very, it's a very short model. And so it was very short coupled when you go yeah. to fly. So Jim took it off and he's ring, 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 he's tearing up the sky. And once again, he hands it over to me and I grab the sticks and, you know, I, I'm just being, you know, very light with the plane to feel it out. And I, I get it in a turn and, you know, one, once again, since it was also kind of a profile plane, small angle, you know, uh, profile. So it kind of goes into a thing. It kind of, uh, I have it in the bank, it's turning. And as it's coming around, it turns around like, like that. And I'm just like, whoa. And, and it just turns around and the plane, you know, kind of drops because it's, it's kind of like doing a knife edge. So the, the thing kind of drops and then I kind of overcorrect a little bit and the plane's like rah, 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 all over the place. And once again, it's all me, right? So I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm just trying to calm down, calm down, calm down, just slowing my fingers down. I get recontrol of the plane because now I'm trying to, you know, which, which part's the top, which part's the bottom. You're okay, channeling your inner okay, AK Mike, aren't you? Right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, those are wheels. Okay, those, they're up, they're down, they're up. Okay, okay, that's, okay, I'm good. All right. I got control. And, and like I said, the plane's very short coupled, you know, so you can't be too, you know, aggressive on the skip at the sticks because you you just end up driving yourself right into the ground if you're over controlling the plane. So anyway, um, I kind of get a feel for the plane and I, you know, and then I, I, I feel comfortable with it and I'm flying around. I'm having a good time. And Jim goes, Hey man, take it up, take it up and, uh, try to stall it. And so I go, okay, well, I'll, I'll take it up and I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I go up and I try to stall it. Can't stall the plane. And so I go, Oh, perfect. So I don't worry. I don't have to worry about the plane dropping out of the sky or doing anything weird. If, if it gets, you know, in that stall zone. And once I knew, once I understood that, I, this is what I was talking about, trusting the plane, right? Or, or feeling comfortable with it. Once I saw its, its characteristics, once it's in that slow stall type configuration, okay, once again, all I have to do is just let, let go of the sticks and the plane's going to be fine. Felt totally comfortable with the plane. And once again, I'm flying around, I'm having a good time. Um, I, I, set it up to, you know, do a couple of, uh, touch and goes or, or to do a landing or so. And, and that plane just kind of, you, you, you got it on the right profile. You, you know, got it the right power setting and the plane just right to the ground. It was, it was like, it was on a gyro. It was, it was quite amazing, hmm. you know? So as long as you didn't, um, get heavy on the sticks and over control it when it's coming in, the plane landed like a dream every time. Once you, once you got it, you know, set up. It was, it maybe, was I mis- maybe I misunderstood some of what you said here, but maybe that What's first that? plane CG is off or something. I, it may be. I don't know. Um, I did. You know, once again, I, I didn't check it for CG, I, you know, because, you know, it's Jim's plane. So I just assumed that the CG was correct. But, you know, I, I guess with once again, with fuel planes, you know, their their CG range changes depending on yeah, how you as fly. You burn you know, fuel, your as CG you burn fuel, right. With changes. So. 
I, I think what you're saying is probably true for most airplanes, though. If you are easy on the sticks, the airplane usually reacts somewhat better. If you bang the sticks around, you can pretty much expect, you know, a lot more aggressive style flying. But, uh, you know, nerves, I think, get, get to people, too. If you're nervous about flying, A, someone else's airplane, B, you haven't flown it in a while, you know, you kind of over control it. Then that makes you even more nervous because you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, anytime somebody's going, whoa, 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 you know, then they're, they're not totally thinking in that, hey, I need to slow everything down and get into right. that, that mode. This is where, this is where following what I do is not a good idea. What's that, <laughs> What's that Mike? Well, because I, you know, I do exactly what you're saying you shouldn't be doing. I over control <laughs> the sticks. I, yeah. yeah. Do not channel AK Mike during this part of it. <laughs> okay, you guys got to get in order to fly turbines. You got to get out of those modes uh, so that you can, uh, you know, jump on that. Because if you dude, I can fly your turbines all day long. Because <laughs> I don't care. Because <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> well, uh, that's funny. But uh, yeah, so it, so here's so here's the funny part, or the uh, I guess another transition part part of the story is that later on we went ahead and we flew the the EDF, and so I checked the plane out, flew it around, you know, checked out the controls between the uh, once again we were buddy boxing, mm-hmm. um, everything seemed to be working. Um, once again, um, always set you know check your equipment before you before you go and fly because once again. Um, we did not have the cord or we didn't have the the battery pushed in all the way on the uh, trainer radio. And so I gave, I gave control to Jim to fly and he's flying. And then he goes, then he goes, he goes, I don't have it. And I'm like, what do you mean? The plane's flying fine. You know, I'm like, the plane flies fine. You know, and he's like, I don't have it. I don't have it. You know, take it, take it, take it. And I'm like, uh, okay, I, I would take like, the plane. Sure you do. It's doing well. I yeah, it's, it's flying great. Right What's the problem? I, yeah. so I would take over the plane and I would, you know, bring it back around. And I go, okay, you ready? He's like, yeah. I give him Flying control. Just like he, I would fly it. I don't know he would, what's going He'd be on. flying. He'd go, take it, take it, take it. I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it turned out, like I said, the the connector for that other radio had come loose and it was barely keeping a connection so he would lose connection with the plane but luckily the plane has a gyro in it so he'd lose connection well the plane was just flying okay it just flew flew fine you know so that's why i wasn't panicking because it wasn't doing anything weird to me you know and i'm just like oh what's the problem jim you know you're doing fine he's like i don't i have no control so i'm like not believing what he's telling me it was kind of funny Wow, this is but, great! Um, two two safety two two safety tips in this one episode. We're doing great. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't so, clean your house with gasoline, <laughs> and, and then uh, you know check your radios for battery malfunctions. That's it. Yeah, well, you know it. It, it do not it, check it your radios for battery malfunction in the garage with the gasoline. However, the gasoline right? sparks sparks. Your, do not do not connect those two safety tips together. No. Yeah. So. So luckily, you know, the gyro was doing what it was supposed to do, uh, you know, because I wasn't doing what, you know, I was supposed to do. Jim's telling me to take it. And I'm just like, uh, why, why do you want me to take it's, it? Things flying great, Jim, you know? <laughs> so he wasn't, right. He wasn't lying when he's saying, I don't have control, you know? So, so I'm, then I was looking at his hands and I could see his hands are going all over and the plane was flying straight and level. That, that was the problem. So oh, he was go. trying to turn it and it was, it wasn't responding to him. So that's then the problem I'm, right there. You're not controlling yeah, the plane. That's right. So that's when I got it in my head. Oh, there's a problem. 
So anyway, I landed the plane. We checked it all out. We found the error. We fixed it. And the, we had no problems with that afterwards. But I think that kind of shook Jim up a little bit. You know, Brad, yeah, sure, it, it? it wasn't working. And, you know, now he's he's already nervous after, you know, having the accident, the incident, you know, two weeks before. You know, now he fixed it. And now, you know, the plane, you know, he's not feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. So once again, he was, we're flying, you know, everything's going okay. Um, you know, Jim was having a little, now the good part was he learned from his mistake from two weeks ago. He kept the plane close the whole time okay. while we were out there. He kept, he kept the plane close, but because he was keeping it closer, um, he was having a problem with his altitude, you know, because he would be at an altitude, but since he has it close, you know, he's trying to lose the altitude and, and lose it and stuff. And, and so what I told Jim, I was like, okay, you know, let's just, let's just try to get where we're, you know, we're getting to the field. I'll tell you that you've made the field and then you can go ahead and cut the throttle or you can, or you can minimize it, you know, keep it, keep it up just a little bit. But he, he was so high and he, you know, has so much room that, you know, if he wanted to cut it, I felt that he was fine, but he was getting a little confused between, you know, once again, he didn't have his Mark one, Mark one eyeball calibrated for, you know, do I have enough altitude to make the field and still have enough, you know, time to throttle and get out of there if things go bad, you know, but Jay and, and Mike had been telling him prior before, Hey, always keep the throttle on. Don't shut your throttle, you know, don't shut the throttle off because it's going to take you enough spool up time. Right. You know, so it was just one of those things where he just didn't have that calibration there. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm not as good as, as an instructor as uh, AZ Mike is. So I'm trying to help him with it. And I'm just like, well, dude, you got the field. You can go ahead and cut the throttle and, and you'll be fine, you know? And so, you know, getting conflicting orders like that from what he's been told prior to me telling him at that time, yeah, go ahead. And, and then, so finally, uh, right before, I think it was like, yeah, we're, he's coming in for a landing and luckily we had, there was like no wind out there at all. So, uh, he was kind of, he's coming in kind of high and I go, dude, you, you got the feel, go ahead and cut the throttle. And, and then he's kind of coming down and he's kind of, you know, anticipating things. And I go, don't do anything. He's like, what? I said, don't, don't do anything. Don't touch anything. Don't do anything. And the plane just whoop, landed on the field. And I'm like, yeah, see, you know, remember you have a gyro in there, man. Trust the gyro. It's, it's going to do its work. And he's like, huh? Wow. That worked fairly well. And we took it up again. And this time, same thing. I go cut the throttle. Don't, you know, don't do anything. You got it. And although it, you know, it didn't land exactly where he wanted it, you know, he made the field and it didn't crash or anything. And he was kind of like, you know, and that's when he kind of turned to me. He goes, well, you guys said to me that I, I always should have some throttle in. And I'm like, well, yes, I, well, but it's not all, you know, but it's not a, it's not a definite, right? If there's a lot of wind, yeah, it helps to have more throttle, have some more throttle, but there's no wind today. You know, you're, you're trying to keep it short, but yet, you, you know, you're, you're had it up kind of high. So you had the height. You, you know, you had the, you had the energy coming down, you, you were fine, you know? So it's just one of those things of him getting used to the plane and working with those conditions. So, uh, I, I mean, we all had fun, no damage to the plane. Everything worked out. Um, we didn't get a chance to fly his dolphin cause we just kind of ran out of time. Um, and plus it was getting hot out there. I mean, you know, if you guys haven't noticed, summer's kind of showed up. I mean, you've been having, you know, yeah, 15 degrees out there in Arizona, 120, 120. you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I, just, I also want to say if, if any of those gyro companies uh, want to use Jay's now trademarked phrase, trust the gyro, uh, just call 830-444-4943 and talk to them. We'll talk you through what the registering the process is. That's uh, it. Licensing. You love it. Trust That's the gyro. Trust the gyro. That's it. Wow. So, so I'll give you a little hand. Jay Neely, folks. Everybody, just give a hand. Hey, we got it. Golf yeah. clap, golf clap. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so a little, a little bit uh, of, I guess you could say semantics there, and uh, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm that great of an instructor, but I, I would have used the term reduce the throttle rather than cut the throttle because someone that has cut the throttle means all the way to off, where if they're reducing it, you just continue to say reduce, reduce, reduce until it gets to idle thrust, right? And that's really what you're, what you're sure. So, so Mike, when you're but, teaching someone how to use to use the throttle on the takeoff too, do you tell them? More throttle, more throttle. What do you use for words, like, as you're training? Well, them? if you – so if I was going to tell him, I'd say go ahead and advance the throttle to half. Advance. Advance the throttle. Yeah, you okay. want to advance the throttle on your, you know, on your stick. So just go ahead and advance the throttle to full or do it to half and get yourself lined up, right? So in a turbine world, you know, there's a spool-up time. So you just don't want to go from zero to full. And then for airplanes, you know, the nose wheels cock 30 degrees, you're going to have a – big handful here in about you know eight seconds this thing is going to be moving and the airplane is going to be like all over the place so you want to kind of advance the throttle slowly to about half get your steering where it needs to be same way with any other type of airplane unless it's just going to rotate in a you know massive like a very short field but if you like jay's l39 takes a little bit longer to get off the ground some of these bigger airplanes take a little bit longer so you just want to advance it slowly and then go ahead full throttle right so i would just say full so advance it slowly, full throttle. Now we're at full throttle as you, as you rotate. You're just going to increase the back pressure of the elevator. And then as you get airborne, then now you can go into reduce the throttle to three quarters, reduce the throttle to half. And then normally I have them sit at half throttle. And then... Yeah, you know, yeah that MEA used to fly was a lot like that, right? right? If you gave it full throttle, it would just spin around because the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You the, had the to, torque you had on to that thing was just... momentum across the rudder to be able to coordinate yeah. uh, and yeah. get it to fly yeah. straight. So. Yep, and that was really kind of hard. To, it was it was uh, had a crappy uh, base, take uh, wheelbase, so it was always, Correct. you know, yeah. crazy on the... Well, and yeah. it's, you know, a lot of guys, uh, even with like, some of the 3D airplanes, you, I, like if I fly, I can go, even on the on the, the L39, I can go from zero throttle to full throttle. But I know how long it takes to spool up, and I know how much of, of amount of rudder to put in to make sure the thing's going straight. So as, it's, it's almost a natural reaction for me to push the throttle up and right rudder at the same time. As I as I push it up, and then I know as soon as it kicks in, it's going to be going straight down the runway. And you know, I have a couple of sixty-inch airplanes that I do that too. They're propellers, and the propeller will pull it a, a lot harder. So as I just jam the throttle forward, you know, it's already coordinated going off, and then it just lifts off the ground, and I'll go vertical. But uh, for someone that's just learning, especially on like a Cub or a, something that has a big tailwind on a high wing. Those things have a tendency to kind of rock, and you want to make sure that you're kind of going straight before you just hammer the throttle. Well, that fun race is the same thing, right? I mean, if you don't if you don't launch that sucker upside down, uh, you you got to put all kinds of rudder in just to get it to fly straight. That's correct. And then by yeah. doing it inverted, you're just compensating for that, and you're putting the um, your basically well, the weights on the bottom is instead of and on then the you're top. You're putting the elevator down like a 
I mean the rudder, yeah. you're putting the rudder down into the airstream. Yeah. So you get yeah. a lot. You don't have to have as much input as you would if you're blocking the rudder with a nose up. Yeah. So, well, I uh, I was able to to go fly. Barry called me the other day, and uh, we actually have a jet event that's coming around uh, in October. It's uh, I think it's um, out in California somewhere, and he wants to go, and he's been trying to talk me into going with him, and. And so he's, you know, made all these arrangements and, you know, got everything out. But he knows that, you know, some of my turbines are in storage. And so he uh, he got me out there the other day on his L39 and stuck me on the sticks again because he's like, okay, I don't want you to get rusty. So, you know, <laughs> I know you haven't flown, which is funny because I've flown his, his, his turbine a couple of times. But mostly when I'm watching, he'll go, here you go, and he'll hand me the radio. And then I'll fly it around and I'll, go, I'll hand the radio back. But uh, this this particular time, he goes, no, just here's the radio. Here's how to start. Because he has an IX-20, and uh, it takes a little bit for me to figure out, you know, where everything is. And then uh, he's like, all right, here you go. Here's the on and off valve. Here's where you plug in the battery. Knock yourself out. So I did. I took it up to the line and taxied it out, you know, started it and did all that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, it flies, the turbine version uh, flies just like the EDF version. And I was having a blast. And I have the peanut gallery behind me, right? Because in the very first flight, you know, I long runway, real soft, you know, big pattern, the whole thing. And I did a couple of aerobatics. And then um, you, you can fly that thing for about uh, six minutes or so. In about three minutes, I've set up, you know, kind of come in and shot an approach. And he's like, dude, you have like three more minutes left. And I said, yeah, but, you know, this is the first time in a while that I've landed this airplane. And so I, I, if I screw it up, right, I want to go around and have enough gas. I don't want to do it right at the last second. Right. So I did. You, I came you, there. you want to show your emergency approach. <laughs> I don't want to create an emergency on my own. I want to have plenty yeah. of time to go around. Emergency, emergency. Read the checklist, please. Right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I came in and landed and it was, uh, you know, I was pretty uneventful. It lands just like the L39 that I have. And so we fueled it all back up and. I'd only used about half a tank, so it filled up pretty quick. And then went back out there, and this time I was a little more aggressive. I was doing some dairy turns and some low low passes, and you know, a couple of uh, you know high altitude, not really tumbles, but what they call shoulder rolls. And uh, so anyway, these guys in the background, oh look, he's filling his oats. Oh, he's getting his confidence back. Oh, he's you know, it's like these two. Guys oh my god, that's ridiculous. Uh huh. Yeah, ridiculous. yeah, yeah. So anyway. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to go to this jet event and uh, we'll take some stuff out there. And I've got some turbine stuff for sale and, you know, he's, we're looking for some new stuff. And, and uh, so we'll go out there and uh, have a good time and uh, kind of trying to get Jay to go with us, but uh, we'll see if he can get off that, get off work that weekend. Yeah. Jay, Jay's busy. <laughs> we'll see. If I he mean, really, off, wait, I should rephrase that. We'll see if he can get off retirement that weekend. That's really, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> more like it. Can, I think if you send his wife uh, 150 bucks or something, that would probably do it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I think that might. Cold, cold hard cash. Cold, cold cash talks. Paper. That's right. I'll just send her some paper. I'll send her some uh, stamp. Stamping up stuff. There you go. Uh, Bribe my wife's paper. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, it, it was I mean, fun. I mean, Becky, I, I'm I, trying to help you out here. so I know, right? Uh, I actually got, you know, it was fun to go out to the field and fly, uh, and see those things, uh, you know, and kind of participate and we flew, I flew a couple other airplanes, so it was kind of fun. I didn't fly quite as much as Jay did, but I did get a couple, you know, pulls on the stick and, and, uh, then I, uh, I am back to work. So, uh, work has been using me quite a bit and, uh, so that feels good too. So those of you that know, I went through a COVID, you know, 
kind of stint with COVID and now I'm back and it feels good. And my lungs feel great. I feel in really good health and you know, it's, it's been good to kind of get back behind the controls of the airplane and, and take a trip. So it's been kind of neat. So that's good. Um, yeah. It's about time. Yeah, it is. So, well, was there any other uh, big airplanes or anything uh, special that happened out there? It sounds like. Uh, well, um, uh, no, like I said, we had a, we had a good time and uh, pretty much the, uh, the heat was the only thing that kind of defeated us that day. Um, we had no serious crashes, nothing, you know, that did any damage to anything. But Jim did tell me that, um, that uh, his missus had uh, felt some pity on him. So, like I said, he was able to wrangle out not only the new ultrasonic cleaner, but he got himself a new plane as well. Wow. Oh, what did he get? So he got himself an A-10 from E-Flight. Wow. And, and it showed up this week, in fact. So um, I think this coming week, Jim and I are going to go out and maiden it. Gotta love the Warthog. Now, is it the uh, 65 millimeter or is it the 80 it's, millimeter? It's the 65. Okay. So it's a little bit smaller than the one you've been flying. With yes. Me. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. And, you know, the biggest thing for the A-10, I'm going to tell you, and even the smaller ones, is that it, it fly, it's going to fly a little nose heavy. And, and just be aware of that because the first couple of times that we flew our big ones, right, Mm-hmm. Airplane wants to settle down into that nose up attitude. Remember, I had you when you were flying mine. You had that little whistles, and they were kind of just off. And then uh, what happens is, is when it runs out of energy, the nose will drop. And as soon as the nose drops, you kind of panic and you pull it back, and you will pile drive the main gear right into the airplane. So gotcha. just be aware of that. And uh, and I would I would go ahead and fly it, but maybe when you maiden it, put it. Don't put it to where it's really nose heavy. Put it either right. equal or just slightly, you know, just a little bit to the tail. Because there is a lot of weight on an A10 behind the CG. So are those four cell 5,000 batteries? Um, No, I think they're actually six cells. Oh, that's too bad. They could be, but they're probably <laughs> smaller, right? They're probably. Yeah, uh, they're, they're like 4,000. 4, I'm, trying to upgrade, I'm trying to upgrade to, to 5,000 four cell battery planes, you know, but that, that's, those are batteries. So, I, what's that? What did you say? It was a 4,000, 5,000 four cell. Okay. So 5,000 milliamp four cell. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to upgrade into those kind of planes. Since those are the batteries I use for my paramotor, I, you know, okay. I figured if, if I, if I, you know, if I auger one in, I still can use the batteries for, <laughs> Well, that's if you uh, if your battery doesn't look like an accordion. So well, there's that. Unfortunately, the Shut faster up. you go, the hard you know, the more accordion yeah, pro- properties you get from a crash. Fair so, enough. Yeah. But hey, so when we were on uh, last time, you we you said that we didn't get a chance to talk about something that uh, was going on with the AMA. Yeah. So um, I did mention uh, I think last time the AMA actually. Uh, there was some discussion online and, you know, I kind of follow some of the groups and I'm on the AMA, uh, you know, Facebook page and that kind of thing. And uh, the, the AMA just started charging uh, kids. So now it oh, used really? to be kids, yeah, it used to be that kids could fly, uh, they could join for free. And I think now it's like $15. And Is that because they want to register their names or what? Well, so I think a, a little bit of it is because um, before, I think it's insurance related, right? Um, 
we all know that the world revolves around insurance. I mean, airplanes, houses, cars, you name it, you know, insurance rates go up almost every year and the coverage goes down. And I noticed that this year when I insured, uh, you know, my aircraft and so a couple of the other things that there were some serious restrictions that used to not be there uh, that are now readily apparent. Right. So they're like, Oh, well, we'll cover you, but if you're doing X, Y, Z, we're not going to cover you. And I think in the past, um, the airplanes were such that they, you know, we weren't using 5,000 milliamp batteries, right? We had smaller trainer airplanes. Uh, the kids that are going out there, they were, you know, able to learn to fly on some small, uh, you know, trainer type airplanes. And now you have kids that, you know, are coming to the field with a, you know, A-10 that has two 5,000 or 6,000 million batteries. And, you know, knowing what happened at my club, we can see that, you know, sometimes even though these kids don't pay to come in, the insurance, I think, and and this is just my personal opinion. I, I haven't read anything about this, but I think this is what's driving it. And if somebody out there knows different, please let us know. Uh, but from what I've read on the boards, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with just insurance. So if the AMA is going to cover the insurance, uh, cover these kids flying on an AMA field and the FAA is looking at it as uh, someone that's participating, then, you know, basically they, they give their $15 and that covers the, you know, the insurance premium for, for the child. So it's kind of unfortunate. And I think uh, we mentioned last time, you know, what kind of brought this up last time is that the, um, Flight test guys, right? Everybody knows who flight test guys are. They had their yeah. event, and uh, they created a flight test um, control area, right, which is what they wanted to do. Uh, so they kind of took it upon themselves, and that way you didn't have to be an AMA member so that the kids, you know, they wanted kids to come out. They wanted people to come out. They didn't want the- so, so how does that work? $25. Um. Well, from what I understand, they uh, they basically designate an area, and they do very similar to what you were talking about last time. They can set up a notum with the FAA that says, "Okay, we're gonna con- we're gonna consider this uh, a controlled area, right, for RC." And they give um, for them. I think they have an actual, you know, field that they can designate. It's got a runway and the whole thing, multiple runways, I think. And then uh, what they do is that they just say, "Okay, we're a club, right." And, uh, and then, you know, we don't want the hindrance to be in, uh, you know, the AMA that if you're not an AMA member that you can't fly here. So if you are an AMA member, then you're welcome. But if you're not go ahead and come on in. But from what I understand, you have to sign a bunch of waivers that basically say, you know, I'm, I am, I am coming in. I will cover my own mistakes. I will cover any damages that I, you know, that happened because of me. And, you know, I'm kind of insuring myself. I don't know if they actually have an insurance policy that you can purchase them. But unfortunately, in this industry, it's just happening more and more where the, you know, people are, are you know, I mean, look what happened at our field. You know, we burned down you know, a thousand acres of land. And fortunately for us, it needed to be that way. You know, I mean, they needed to clear all that land out anyway, so nobody did anything. But if that would have got somebody's house or a car or it would have hopped over to a neighborhood, there could have been some serious damage. Right. Right. At some point, somebody's going to say, hey, I, you know, I'm not paying for the fact that you burned my house down because you wrecked an airplane into my house. And we know that the AMA insurance is actually a backup to your homeowner's insurance. uh, So you're going to have to go through that first. So. 
And since kids don't have it, I think that's why the AMA finally just said, look, you know, we're, they're struggling, you know, with all the rule changes as much as we are. Uh, and the FAA is, you know, constantly putting, you know, more stuff out there. So I think it's just, uh, just their way of kind of keeping up with, with the, you know, the way the changes are going. So anyway, if you have something different, let me know. I, uh, I've been following it, you know, kind of reading it when I get a chance, but uh, it's kind of all over the board, you know. So I imagine the Jetsons, the Jetsons reality is coming to play at this point too, right? Uh, it is. Uh, several airlines, uh, large, uh, major, or you know, global type airlines have invested in, um, you know, some, uh, for lack of a better term, drone taxi type service. Uh, they have put a lot of money up, several million dollars worth. Uh, and, uh, so it's, it's coming. And I think, you know, in my personal opinion, without throwing anybody under the bus, I, I seriously think that everything that we saw on the drone, you know, FARs that came into place was strictly for this particular event. And that's my personal opinion. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or saying that this is the gospel truth, but I just, I, you know, if we look back in history, we kind of see the RC world kind of had a press, you know this proceeding lead up to certain things that happened in the real flying world. And since I've got a foot in both, I can actually see that. And because I know what's going on on our side of the fence versus what's going on on our side of the fence, you can kind of see the parallels and it's a lot easier to jump into something that's small and get everything worked out. And then you can do it on a bigger scale. And now we see that that's the case. So that investment, uh, they're talking about having, uh, Four-man drone taxis by 2024. That's not too far away. Yeah, it's not too far away at all. Now, the viability of that, I couldn't really tell you. I know these companies have invested, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into it. And there's uh, the company that they're talking about is uh, um, a British company. But uh, they, they, they seem to think that they can have this worked out by 2024. Uh, and if that's the case, that's going to affect a lot of airspace, right? It's going to affect the airspace that we fly in as a club members. Uh, it's going to affect general aviation airspace. Um, you know, so I think there's changes coming. And I think that uh, everything we went through recently that we were jumping up and down and shaking our fist at uh, was there. But I, I, I think it, it was put into place for something at this at this level. And we all know that, you know, Amazon and Google and a couple of the other big companies are starting to do talk about drone deliveries. So I think you're going to see a lot more airspace that's becoming saturated uh, and squeezing us as a club member. So you're going to try to find these clubs that are, you know, going to have to be dedicated. You're not going to be able to just go out and fly everywhere. Fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, if you saturate, you know, the lower altitudes from the ground to say 400 feet or just a little above 500 feet, and you've got a $4 million commercial drone flying, you know, specifically, uh, and you're in your little, you know, $150, $350 foam airplane, and you take one of those, you know, kind of have a incident with them. Oops. Not really you're not going to take one of them out though, Mike. I mean, you've well, already, I we've already now, had this conversation did, uh, a bunch of times. And I understand that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when you take two objects and you collide them at any speed, right? I mean, even if you had a car that hit a pole and you were only doing 10 miles an hour, you're still going to put a dent in the bumper. That bumper is going to cost you three or $4,000 to get it fixed. Mm -hmm. My point is, is that, you know, that's going to cause someone, if you hit my $4 million drone, it's going to make me very upset. So not safety, but liability. Correct. 
And, yeah. and that's kind of why I said the insurance companies are really kind of driving some of this because they're yeah, right. the ones that say, hey, look, you know, at, at the AMA, we have a half million dollar policy because, you know, what are we going to do with an RC airplane out at a club? Right. Right. I'm not burning anybody's house down. That's, you know, half a million dollars or maybe well, I'd make them pay. I think that drone company pay for my my RC plane. I don't know. They probably have more lawyers than you do. So <laughs> he's got his own his uncle Milt. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to send my him my, for Vinny. my rights as a plane flyer. I got I got my cousin Vinny lawyer. He he seemed to work okay. Guido uh, and his brother Vinny. That's it. That's it. Well, unfortunately, our hour's up. Um, if you are out there and uh, have a topic for us or you just want to chat with us, 830-444-4943 is our phone number. Uh, feel free to leave us a uh, message, and someone will get back in touch with you. If not, then give us a call at, or give us an uh, email at parkfirepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we uh, love to hear from our listeners, so go on the Facebook page. We have a Parkfire Podcast listeners group. And you can join that. I think we got a couple of new members this week. So, uh, and then try our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube. Pass that around. Uh, we try to get that out as well. So, uh, we appreciate your patronage, your listen, you know, listening to us and uh, helping us along the way. And, uh, and it's just great to be in the hobby and uh, having having a great summer. So let us know what the world is breathing doing. again. It is. I uh, I have just found out through my uh, industry that. Uh, we should see Europe and should see most of a uh, large portion of the Asian continent starting to open up, uh, open up from this COVID. So that's a good thing that we're slowly trying to hey. move. That, so, yeah. So we should hear some more uh, of our worldwide listeners because I know that we're, we have listeners all over the world. So let us know how it's going. So, anyway. Wow. Anything you guys got? You going flying this weekend or? I got the next couple of days off. So uh, actually, what I haven't done in a while is go out to the. Uh, I've actually had to work almost every Tuesday when the guys are out at the field, at the park, and so uh, I'm actually home this Tuesday. So I may cruise over there, and chat with those guys. And oh, good. Maybe I'll have a, a report from flying in the park because uh, oh, good. Got a couple of new airplanes. Look forward to that. Yeah, I'm okay. Well, from Michael here in Arizona, and from Jay from the hills of Texas. And AK Mike in Texas. We'll see you in two weeks. Let's fly. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.